It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Thursday, April 22, 2021. I'm Aaron Fulton with Raven News. Both City Administrator John Leach and Municipal Attorney Brian Hansen received satisfactory job performance reviews from the Sitka Assembly when it met on Tuesday night. The Assembly meets once a year to review the performance of the two top city staffers. Both reviews were held behind closed doors. It's been just over a year since Leach was hired as Sitka's city administrator. He took the helm just weeks before the coronavirus pandemic reached Alaska and led the city's emergency response to the virus. While the public didn't hear most of the Assembly's feedback on Leach's performance, when the group returned from executive session, Mayor Stephen Eisenweiss praised Leach's work during a tumultuous time. Um, coming on at probably one of the most difficult times the city's seen um, and uh, and has really, really been a, a top-notch administrator for us. In the last few years, Brian Hansen has led the city's legal department through multiple lawsuits and settlements, as well as the sale of the Sitka Community Hospital in 2019. In 2020, the last of three suits involving former Sitka Police Department employees was settled out of court. Mayor Eisenbeis praised Hansen's performance as well. We find his performance to be exemplary, um, and we wish that there was a um, satisfactory with a gold star type uh, a rating system. Each review took around an hour. Eisenbeis said he would be reviewing a salary and benefits package with Municipal Attorney Hansen, which will be discussed at a future meeting. The nationwide pause of the Johnson & Johnson coronavirus vaccine, which began last week, could be coming to an end soon. But the restart won't have much of an effect on overall vaccinations in Alaska since the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, although convenient and requiring only one dose, was never available in the state in large supply. KCAW's Robert Woolsey attended a teleconference with the state's top health officials last week to learn more about Alaska's vaccine progress as we head into summer. Dr. Coleman Cutchins is a clinical pharmacist with the State Department of Health and Social Services. He says the CDC's recommendation to temporarily halt the Johnson & Johnson vaccine to investigate a rare blood clotting disorder was par for the course for any drug and means the system is working. It doesn't mean that the vaccine is experimental or wasn't fully tested before receiving emergency authorization for use by the Food and Drug Administration. There's no difference in the safety checkpoints that an emergency use drug went through versus a full approved drug. Um, You know, the FDA is really clear. They don't use the term experimental, but they use the term investigational. So once a drug receives EUA, emergency use authorization, it is no longer considered an investigational drug. Mm -hmm. And, And, you know, I think really a good example to show this is the fact of what we're seeing right now with Johnson & Johnson. This is the process. This is the way it works. And this is why we have the safest drug approval process in the world. The Johnson & Johnson vaccine is being studied for a possible connection to six cases of a rare blood clotting disorder out of the 7 million people who received the shot. Cutchin says these extremely rare one-in-a-million side effects aren't usually encountered in clinical trials of any drug, which only involve tens of thousands of people. If it weren't for the high-profile nature of the pandemic, the Johnson & Johnson pause to study blood clots might never have made the news. This event come up, you know, they're studying it. This is exactly what we do with a lot of other drugs. It happens, honestly, a few times some years. Um, It just doesn't 
isn't under the spotlight because it isn't as much, you know, front and center attention as these COVID vaccines have been. Cutchin says the three COVID vaccines available in the U.S. won't receive full approval from the FDA until all the clinical trials are completed, including the trials which are currently underway for children ages 12 to 15. Only 85 doses of the single-shot Johnson & Johnson vaccine were administered in Sitka by the vaccination team at Harry Race Pharmacy out of the over 4,700 people who've been vaccinated so far in town. Statewide, the first Johnson & Johnson vaccine didn't arrive until mid-March, and it represents only a small fraction of the 513,000 doses of vaccine that have been administered to Alaskans so far. The single-dose Johnson & Johnson was thought to be a game-changer in Alaska, where thousands of seasonal workers arrive in summertime. But Kelsey Pistotnik, with the state section of epidemiology, says that was never the case. As Johnson had been such limited supply, we knew that we needed to pivot. And, And in general, so just really try not to make too many plans for that vaccine specifically until we had really kind of a comfortable level of stock. We're not there. Pistotnik says the pause had raised additional questions about when stock of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine would be adequate to use in something like the state's airport vaccination plan, which is currently out to bid and doesn't specify which vaccine the contractor should use. Dr. Ann Zink, chief medical officer for the state, says large seafood processors and other companies are directing vaccine programs for their employees prior to their arrival in the state so the limited availability of Johnson & Johnson shouldn't be a problem. A bigger question mark for her is cruise ships. Alaska is joining the state of Florida in suing the CDC to lift its conditional sailing order for cruising in 2021. Zink says vaccination is critical to safe cruising. From a health perspective, you know, we've talked about a lot, vaccines make a huge difference. So uh, if you have everyone vaccinated, that is the best thing. I know I personally would not get on a cruise without being fully vaccinated. Um, I wouldn't do a lot of things without being fully vaccinated, to be totally honest, but including a cruise with a lot of other people. Uh, and it's also a numbers game. Uh, and so the more people you have mixing, uh, the more kind of risk that there is. And so a cruise of 200 is really different than a cruise of 2,000 people. Regardless of how Alaska's suit against the CDC pans out, it will make no difference for the cruise industry in 2021, as Canada's ports remain closed to large passenger vessels until early next year, meaning that only smaller U.S.-flagged cruise ships will sail this summer. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. Two pilots whose planes collided near Ketchikan in 2019 were unable to see or detect each other until a mid-air crash was unavoidable. That's according to federal aviation investigators who say the accident could have been avoided with onboard alert systems. KRBD's Eric Stone reports. Skies looked clear on May 13, 2019, as two de Havilland-made floatplanes, a beaver and a larger otter, approached a scenic waterfall on Mahoney Lake. They were both returning visitors to Ketchikan after a flight-seeing trip to Misty Fjords National Monument. But the sky was not completely clear. In fact, the Beaver, operated by a mountain air service, was seconds away from colliding with Taquan Air's Otter. Six people were killed, including Randy Sullivan, owner and operator of the Beaver. Another ten people were injured. Traditionally, pilots rely on their ability to see and avoid other aircraft to prevent collisions, but a video shown at a meeting of the National Transportation Safety Board on Tuesday argued that wasn't enough to prevent the crash over George Inlet. In this accident, the otter pilot's view was obscured by the window post, 
and the Beaver pilot's view would have been blocked by airplane structure and his right seat passenger. The NTSB listed the failure of the see-and-avoid approach as the probable cause of the crash during Tuesday's meeting, along with the fact that systems aboard the planes did not provide a visual or audio alert that traffic was nearby. The agency blames inadequate aviation regulations, and notably not the pilots, for the crash. After analyzing the findings of its investigation, the NTSB recommends that the FAA identify popular air tour areas, like Ketchikan, the Grand Canyon, or New York City, and require commercial flights there to have working early warning systems that can alert a pilot of other close-flying aircraft with on-screen and spoken alerts like this. Traffic, 3 o'clock, 2 miles, 400 feet above. A transceiver with that capability was replaced in the Taquan plane in 2015 as part of an FAA-sponsored upgrade. The new system did not provide alerts. And NTSB investigator Bryce Manning told the board that Taquan didn't know its planes couldn't provide traffic alerts after the 2015 upgrade. And I think interviews would suggest they had a general lack of understanding of the significance of this system. The NTSB also highlighted the fact that a critical piece of equipment was switched off on the Taquan plane. While both aircraft were equipped with systems that broadcast their position, known as ADSB, the Taquan Otter was not broadcasting its altitude in a format the other plane could read. That's because a control panel that would have transmitted the altitude in a readable fashion had likely been turned off during recent maintenance. The NTSB offered 10 recommendations, including six directed at the FAA. Chief among them, the board recommends that the FAA require air tour operators to carry alert systems on their planes to warn pilots of an impending collision when flying in areas with lots of air tours. NTSB Chairman Robert Sumwalt also reiterated a frequent agency call for the FAA to require tour operators to file a comprehensive and proactive safety plan of its operations with the regulator. Obviously, the NTSB feels very much that this is important. Let's see, it's been, it's been uh, reiterated five times. This would make it the sixth time since 2017. Ketchikan-based Taquan Air has been flying for more than 40 years. It had three high-profile crashes in a 10-month span from July 2018 to May 2019. Taquan Air has referred all questions back to the NTSB and did not respond to follow-up inquiries about the agency's findings. Reporting in Ketchikan, I'm Eric Stone. Taking a look at the community calendar. All are invited to celebrate the 51st Earth Day from 5 to 6 p.m. on the Sitka Fine Arts Campus. The theme is Restore Our Earth. Group tables and activities open at 4.30 p.m. Attendees are to wear masks and practice social distancing. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News.